the Inside Vegas Podcast, and the Sports Gambling Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network in the Inside Vegas Podcast. Enter promo code SGP50, as always, for up to a 50% deposit bonus today. We're also brought to you by Amazon. You're already shopping at Amazon. Support the podcast. Go get yourself a fresh Inside Vegas t-shirt. Sports Gambling Podcast shields are up there. College experience. Help us out out there. Go to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash Amazon, bookmark that link, and help support the podcast and buy yourself something nice and support us along the way. We are back on the Inside Vegas podcast, and we are introducing somebody who's been a friend of the program for, I guess, a while, just behind the scenes, and so happy to have him on because we really see sports handicapping the same way. He has done so many great things in the space, including hosting his own podcast, Guys and Bets, every day, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern. That is Joe Osborne. You see me out there kind of plugging him on Twitter because I think that he is for free, in my opinion, one of the best guys out there when it comes to sharing the why with you and not just the what he is on. As always, go to oddshark.com, check him out there. You can check him out on Twitter at JTFOZ. Um, one of the brightest minds in the industry, in my opinion, and, and truthfully, um, one of the best people, even more so, which I think is even more rare than being a great handicapper in this industry. So myself and Joe, we break down everything when it comes to how we handicap games philosophically. Um, basically, it's a long-term trend bet, you know, kind of backed up by stats, backed up by data, backed up by everything else that we go into it. But I think it's a fascinating conversation that we break into uh, kind of talking about his journey, his introduction, his background, and kind of how he ended up in a place that a lot of people want to be, which is talking about sports gambling and creating sports gambling content for a living. So I think it's a great interview. We, he kind of gives his you know tips and tricks as to the best type of things to do if you want to get started in the industry and kind of how he looks at games, which again is very similar to me. So I think it's a great conversation back and forth. I hope you guys enjoy it again. This is Joe Osborne of Odd Shark. And joining me on Inside Vegas, one of my favorite, not only handicappers, not only analysts, but people in the industry and good people are hard to find. Joe Osborne, sports analyst at Odd Shark. You can find him on Twitter at JTFOZ, host Guys and Bets, Monday through Friday, every day, 12 Eastern. How are you, my friend? How is everything? Hey, buddy. I'm great, man. How are you? It's a uh, it's an awesome day. we got a lot of good baseball to look at today and of uh of course, the Eastern Conference Finals are wrapping up here soon. It's a, it's a great time to be a sports fan, a great time to be a sports better. Absolutely. And again, man, I know you do so much. We were talking kind of off air. I know you, you're literally doing content and podcasts and video and everything daily. Uh, but when you get kind of lost in the grind, in the shuffle, um, I like to kind of you know, be able to you know point out what somebody's story was and kind of talk to them about what makes them tick and how they kind of their background and how they got into the position of prominence that they are in. So I guess my first question to you is how do you know what kind of led you to your introduction in sports betting and kind of you took you through all the way to where you are now being a sports analyst for one of the biggest sports handicapping companies in the world in Oddshark? Uh, well, it's probably a story that's similar to a lot of guys and, and girls, I guess, that work in sports media. When I was a kid, uh, a youngster, I grew up playing a lot of baseball, a lot of football. When I was really young, you know, I wanted to play second base uh, for the Blue Jays in the big leagues. But then uh, once you reach a certain age, you realize that that isn't very realistic. That you do. Uh, 
So my dad always used to tell me something. It really motivated me. It was find something you love to do and you won't need to work a day in your life. That's probably an expression that a lot of people have heard too. And, you know, that really made me think, man, and I, I would see the guys on Sports Center every day and the pregame, postgame shows and halftime shows. And I would just think, how awesome would that be just to be able to cover the sports that I love and get paid to do it? So that kind of led me to enrolling in a broadcast journalism class in college. And that was a, a two-year program uh, where you study everything from television production to radio to, you know, how to tell a proper news story. So I did that, graduated from that. I worked in radio for a bit and that wasn't really for me. So I went back and uh, added to my education and got a diploma in public relations and I'm really happy I did that because that taught me how to become a much better writer. Uh, so from that, though, it definitely didn't get me on the path to sports and sports content. I was at a job that I did not like. I hated it, man. It was soul-sucking work for someone like myself that considers himself to be kind of creative. And out of the blue one day... Uh, an old roommate that I had in college reached out to me and she said, are you still interested in sports writing? And I said, well, yeah, of course. And she goes, oh, I know a guy. They're looking to hire some people to do uh, some sports content for them. And I thought it was going to be something silly like, hey, we want you to come out and cover the high school football team and do post-game reports and stuff like that. So anyhow, I, I go to the interview, I uh, give them the benefit of the doubt and um uh, I meet the gentleman and he says, well, what do you know about sports betting? And I say, well, you know, at that time I, I was betting on football every Sunday and was into the fantasy and stuff like that. And he was basically a recruiter. So that meeting went well and I ended up coming to Odd Shark and um, my mind was just blown, man. I did two interviews and they hired me uh, initially to run the editorial department. And then I was kind of running the editorial and video. And now my sole focus is creating content. So it was a long road, but it's one of those things, man. Hard work does pay off. Like throughout this whole time, I had a shitty little sports blog that no one read, but it gave me a lot of experience and I had a lot of work samples that I could show off when I actually had my opportunity. So uh, that's kind of what got me to where I am today. The theme of this episode may end up being just how similar that we are together, both in our handicapping styles and our kind of stories, man, because it's so, there's so many parallels to mine. And I think that it's, it's so crazy to think that, you know, I think a lot of people look at two things, either if they're trying to come up through, um, you know, sports journalism, sports handicapping, fantasy, whatever niche that they want to. Um, it's important, like you said, to not get discouraged. When I came to Vegas, you know, I had a couple goals in mind. I wanted to become a professional sports better. And I also wanted to, you know, create content. I wanted to create the new the Wall Street Journal of Sports Betting. Um, I came here, I tried to do that. I created the little website, The Hook Report, and, and nobody read it for a while. And then it, it gets, you know, it only takes, you know, luck. It takes a very long time to become an overnight success, as they say. And once, you know, it only takes one person. And and for me, that was kind of, you know, partnering up with SGP is they essentially kind of acquired it and, and kind of went off from there. And so I want to echo those sentiments to anybody that is starting out out there that hard work will pay off. Um, you're living proof of it, man. So is there... Um, Anything, I guess we can kind of shuttle off into this before we start breaking down the rest of the stuff. Anything else that you would tell um, out there? I know one of the first episodes of Inside Vegas that I had was um, John Campbell coming on and, and talking about kind of how to break into the business. But anything that you've learned mm -hmm. away for anyone out there that you would say and kind of be able to point to to say, this was kind of the best lessons I learned. This is kind of whatever the case may be. Yeah, you're going to have to work for free. 
you have to build up a portfolio of work samples. I have uh, friends who are, how do I get on working there at Oddshark? And I'm like, well, you need some type of proof that you can actually uh, write about sports and handicap games and stuff like that and, you know, create a bit of a personality through social media and stuff like that. So uh, if anyone's looking to get into sports betting uh, media or sports betting in general, I strongly recommend uh, creating a blog, even if you do just uh, two or three posts per week. Starting up a podcast is pretty easy. So be very open to working for free because if that opportunity comes one day, you need to show that you can do it. So that's the best way to do it. Yeah. And again, don't get discouraged if nobody reads it. If anything, if nothing else, it is just a living body of your work. And it's a living body resume for when that opportunity inevitably will come uh, if you're willing to put in the work, Phil. I cannot echo those sentiments enough, man. But let's shift over from kind of your story um, and Oddshark and everything like that and kind of talk about you personally when it comes to sports betting. I guess um, in the theme of kind of your background, what, you know, when you first got into this, started working for Oddshark, we're kind of a recreational better just doing the football and uh, on Sundays and the fantasy stuff, what has kind of been your journey and kind of how you've learned the best way to kind of handicap, uh, whether it be different sports or how they differ, if it's different for you in every single sport, just kind of your overall philosophy then when you started and, and kind of what, how you've arrived to it now. Sure. Well, when I started like, like betting in high school, it was, you know, a very poor form of betting. It was basically doing parlays with money lines in the NFL every Sunday. And, uh, you know, some mild success, but overall that that's probably not the best strategy for betting. So, um, it, it used to, I still am trend heavy, but now I like to back up my trends with stats. Whereas initially, uh, when you're, when I first got into betting, you would see something like, I don't know, the, uh, uh, the Rams have covered the spread in seven of their eight, seven of their last eight games. So from that, I would just be like, okay, I'm going to bet on the Rams. But now I need to know, like, okay, well, what was the spread in those games? And you need some stats to back those trends up. So uh, it's I definitely evolved into a more disciplined, better. Um, you know everyone has this experience and a lot of casual betters are like, I just got a feeling that this is going (laughs) to happen. I just got a feeling about this game. And I used to be the guy who would get that feeling and you kind of act on it. And, oh, I just think for some reason that uh, this team's going to have a down day or this guy's going to have, have a great game. That is not a smart way to bet. So I'll go with numbers and data over my, my instincts, I guess you would say all the time, but sometimes those instincts, uh, if you have those instincts, uh, I will dig into that. And if you can find numbers to support it, 100%, go for it. But um, it is different uh, sport by sport, sometimes with trends. I view trends as kind of a starting point for your handicap. So let's look at Mike Soroka for an yes, example. like The cash uh, cow we, himself. Yeah, man. Like he, he is an incredible first five inning pitcher. Uh, I don't have his ERA off the top of my head, but it's, I think it's uh, 1.20 now, I think. 1.20. Look at you. You have it right off the top of your head. So yeah, like that, that's like the instinct. Like, so I see that Mike Soroka is pitching and then I'm like, okay, I know he's an absolute monster first five. So what is the best way to bet on him tonight? So he's going against the Giants last night and, you know, first instinct is F5 under, but then the Giants had a guy pitching for them who uh, was coming up from AAA, so that was a bit of a risky move. So automatically, okay, first five uh, money line. There were so many stats to support that, and I know you were on that one too, and that one hit. So 
with baseball, trends are a little bit different uh, from the other sports because, say, for example, the Raptors and Bucks, they're putting basically the same lineup out there each day. Whereas in baseball, they have a different pitcher going every day, essentially, right? So if you tell me the Red Sox have won nine games in a row, that doesn't exactly carry a ton of weight going into their 10th game unless I know who's pitching for them. Uh, with, with the starting pitcher, it's essentially like they're putting a different defense out there someday or every day, essentially, right? So, so yeah, man, stats and trends, it's kind of old school handicapping, I guess. Um, there's some things I lean on more than others, I guess, but stats and trends, old school handicapping. I, I wouldn't say I have a system per se, but there's some things that I, I try out. And if they work, I, I keep rolling with them. Uh, and if they cool off, maybe I'll chill out on that a little bit as well. But, uh, but yeah, try things and, and definitely learn from mistakes and make rules based off those mistakes. And, and I, I'm far from a professional handicapper by any means, but uh, I still make mistakes to this day. On Saturday, I had three different bets on the Cubs-Nationals games to support the Cubs. Of course, they all blew up in my face. So that's 0-3 right there, and that completely derails uh, a day of betting. So situations like that, my new rule is if I'm going to make a bet on a team or a game, only one bet to support that team within the game and if you hit it great that's some profit right there uh if not no big deal you're down a unit right exactly so many good things that you just said man number one i'm gonna go back through this just kind of in the order that you answered it when you talked about that feeling is so to me i quantify that feeling more in the futures market um i don't know how kind of deep that you go in that but to me i wouldn't say it's i have a feeling it's i see a narrative and what i you know that was a lot of the reasons i was able to you know grab some of these prices i know glasnow on the shelf now but getting that incredible mm. hundred to one price castillo a hundred to one um barrios there has to be a narrative floated something out there that is especially preseason because again I only buy futures when I think the market will shorten within the season meaning I'm never going to be able to get a better number um, but you know you can go on down the line Glasnow adding a new slider um, yeah. Jose Berrios working on his changeup with Johan Santana non-stop in the offseason or whatever it is there you know you can go down the analytical narrative trend you can compare it to past people you can look at you no know, pitches in the baseball market other than fastball there's a million ways to do it um, on the pitching side and you know when it comes to MVP, um, you know, the reasons I was able to hit Altuve the year he won it was because I took from the past and applied it. I looked at a team like Boston who won the World Series with a spark plug like Dustin Pedroia, and it was very easy to apply to that what he, what Altuve would be to Houston. When you say feeling day in, day out, um, do you apply that more in the narrative market? Um, you know, I've been kind of, I don't want to say... Uh, grandized or criticized, depending on what side of the spectrum that you fall on that. But to me, I think that when you are a professional, you make that leap. I think that you have to put money above everything and people feel very strongly one way or another about this narrative that I've put out there. But betting on teams off of tragedy is one of the most profitable angles in sports, whether it be Isaiah Thomas player props over Houston after hurricane, uh, the Katrina game obviously comes to mind. It is just such an impactful moment. Do you kind of put those narratives into anything you do or kind of stick to the on the field type of stuff well definitely you were talking about uh, Luis Castillo and Jose Barrios um, you, th those are guys that you've seen spikes from them in the past and they're still very young pitchers so you would assume that there's going to be some progression there so it absolutely would have made sense to jump in on those guys on a, a Cy Young futures prop I wish I did actually and there are things like um, 
I try to build like talking futures market, like uh, associations between teams and, and similar situations. So, for example, I like the Bears to win the NFC this season, and I compare them a lot to the LA Rams. Reason being is we saw the Rams, they came out absolutely on fire two seasons ago. They come out in the playoffs and they fall flat. They had that loss at home to the Falcons. Very similar situation yeah. for the Bears. They were one of the, uh, they were the surprise team, like the uh, the Rams were the year before. And then they come out and they lose a home playoff game. So, uh, yeah, I would be completely on, on board with you in that situation. And talking about instincts, a lot of those instincts do come from winning like if i'm looking at tomorrow's starting pitchers uh very riveting here with a man on his computer <laughs> waiting for uh, something to load but yeah like i know like i see uh luis casillo is going against zach davies so the instinct oh, key right there is five first under five under and, and i say that's my third is question is i was going to talk to you about the quintana castillo first five under that we were in because it highlights so many things of variance and stuff you can't prepare for yeah. So it, yeah, it just it, in sync. It, it comes from from winning for me, essentially, and from losing too. You know, like uh, so, sometimes uh, you have these guys that you just fade week after week after week. Uh, Homer Bailey Day isn't quite a thing anymore, but yep. we still got a, a long season ahead of us. But um, yeah, yeah, with with those instincts, though, you do have to have discipline. Like one, sometimes I would make mistakes i would wake up in the morning and just be in the mood to bet and um like e even earlier in the season i remember when the red Sox, i think it was on a friday night they got the living shit kicked out of them by the diamondbacks and i woke up in a mood to bet and i said you know what the red Sox, they're the defending champions uh they're gonna really bounce back after that bad loss and, you know, even I looked into the stats and mm, there wasn't really a whole lot to support it. So it kind of lacked discipline. I bet on them and it lost and I, I learned from that. Right. So. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've tried to get away from that as best as possible uh, this season. But, yeah, learning from uh, mistakes and having discipline uh, with those instincts. When you talked about the three bets on the Cubs, I absolutely love this topic because I think that when you take a market approach to this and do it long term, like. You know, we do. And again, we basically handicap specifically baseball the same exact way. Um, mm -hmm. You talked about those three bets. That's something I've been playing with a little bit by my um, for myself a little bit kind of. I don't say testing, but kind of doing a little bit more of it's what I would call diversifying it. And you talked about those kind of. Um, you know, those trends and you talked about Castillo, all that type of stuff. So let's look at, you know, yesterday with Soroka, you were talking about the first five under, um, which was, I believe he was what, uh, six and oh to the first five under, but his, um, mm -hmm. and his money line is whatever, five and one. Diversifying many different ways is something I'm really playing with. And what I mean by that is instead of just going first five money line, you could also go Giants first five team total under, and you could also go first five under. And not to say you have to put three units or, you know, one on each or whatever, but maybe you do point three, you know, 0.33 on each and just diversifying your bet a little bit. Um, I've mm -hmm. been doing this because when I look into the narratives of things and something I've found that I've been at least a little bit able, a little bit better um, than in the past is when things lose, um, I've at least been able to, to know the most likely outcome of how they're going to lose. And when we talked about uh, the Quintana um, and Castillo lost the other day, you know, it was very 
obviously to me, like Quintana is somebody who has unraveled late. It just came one inning early, mm -hmm. um, throwing two wild pitches. You know, to me, that handicap, when you looked at it and, um, you know, the way that I had wrote this out, basically between the two of them in the last 30 innings, if you only looked at Castillo at home, they had given up in the first five, they had given up a combined one run and a combined three run. If you took Castillo overall, not just at home. And so when you talk about, you know, kind of the variance that happened in that game, I'm so more than happy to tip my cap. No, was the right handicap and knowing the long term that those things are going to be profitable do you kind of feel the same way yeah not all losers are bad bets right like there, there was no reason to bet over in the first five in that game if you looked at the stats uh coming into that both from a pitching standpoint and and the hitting wasn't so hot either and the number was too high it was at five for a while i thought it was going to open at three and a half i did I too i was I, shocked at that five yeah so um so it, it was a great number and and that was my worst beat of the season. And there's, there's nothing you can do about that, right? So you just got to shrug your shoulders and move on. It is a long season. And if you're getting upset about one loss during the baseball season, you probably shouldn't be betting <laughs> on on baseball, right? I agree. But, um, yeah, that, that was just one of those things. I, I just uh, – I was in complete disbelief, man. It, it was easily my worst beat of the season. And you just got to shrug your shoulders and laugh at it, I guess. Yeah. Again, and I don't mean to harp on that one beat just because we were both on it, but it really illustrates kind of yeah. what can happen. Thanks in for the reminder. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, diversification, anything on that? Or is it just something that you're just going to kind of, you know, openly accept that if it goes down the way that you think and you're just not going to kind of spread yourself out with a couple of different bets attacking the same way? Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm just going to be sticking to the one bet per game. And it is kind of like how I broke down that Soroka thing last night. It was either the first five under or uh, uh, Braves on the first five money line. Uh, with the reason being that the major red flag of, uh, I think it was Suarez who came up from AAA and he's yeah. been just a dumpster fire down there. So there was no reason to risk uh, an under bet because the Braves could come out and score six runs versus them in two innings and that would be it. So kind of one of the tips, uh, friends will come to me and they're like, hey, what what's your best tip for betting on sports? And everyone thinks that there's some sort of secret or something like that. Like, oh, I'll always bet on home underdogs or, you know, like yeah. look at the wind at Wrigley Field. But but there is no secret. And I tell people just limit your risk. And that would be one of the situations where instead of making three different types of bets, um, one team just figure out what the best bet in that situation is. And when I talk about limit your risk, like last night, I was one of the lucky ones. I took the Rangers, I think it was minus one. 144 uh, versus Seattle. Everything pointed to the Rangers in this one. Uh, Mike Leak was going for Seattle. He's been just pitiful against them. Anyhow, the Rangers get out to a big lead. I think they're up seven nothing at one point. Yeah, like they're the up first. Yeah, they're up uh, nine to four in the top of the ninth. Shelby Miller comes in, gives up a grand slam. They only win by one because a lot of people are like, "Why didn't you bet the run line?" So in situations like that, I know the Rangers bullpen isn't very good. I know they can't be trusted. So if you can get it like below minus 150, I'm probably just going to take the money line in that situation. Agree, man. Um, when you talk about stats um, and supporting, this is something I've always been fascinated with because a lot of ways when you make a preconceived notion, like we kind of talked about, we have an initial kind of when we looked at a line, we, when we see something. Sometimes we go looking for stats to support it and we'll almost mm -hmm. kind of blindly take, you know, take out the stuff that doesn't kind of fit our narrative. Do you find yourself kind of struggling with that sometimes the way that I do as well? Um, I did last season, uh, especially with baseball. So I, I find a lot of people don't like betting on the start of the year, but 
but I find uh, there's some edges that you can take advantage of. So one thing that I do struggle with with baseball is what sample size should you be using? Like when you're in August, you probably shouldn't be using stats from the entire season because a lot of these teams are a lot different uh, in August than they were in April. So what I have been using lately is last 30 days, and I find this has been working out for me. Uh, so that would be an area where I'm still kind of tweaking and figuring out w- what is that sweet spot for the sample size to use. But you can dig hard enough and find stats to support and any bets you want, really. You yeah. can look at any type of splits, home, day, night, away, pitcher history in that ballpark. You can find a reason to bet on or against a team in any situation so sometimes it is just best to stick with the basics i guess yeah and that long-term approach is something that can be very very difficult because the people the the biggest difference that i have seen from people like you and and dare i say someone like me is when we bet trends versus somebody who's just starting out somebody who's recreational inevitably odd shark will post or you will post a trend out there it's great and inevitably if it's the first one someone sees they're going to play it and it's going to lose because that's just how the world works they forget that the trend ever exists and then it goes on to win the next five and then people repeat that cycle um you know do you find that you know people just starting out have such a hard time committing that kind of you know capital to invest in a pitcher or you know sell a pitcher or whatever trend is out there that kind of you can you know back up with the other stuff the the other um you know stuff that goes into it but is that kind of the biggest obstacle you think for people kind of just getting into trend betting because you'll always hear people make fun of trends trends are trash oh this team is this on a tuesday afternoon when you know there's weather above 35 degrees but less than 70 yeah. like people can kind of go on a tangent about trends you know well sports bettors and casual bettors have such a short memory with stuff right like uh you can go on like one I was on during the NBA season was the the Grizzlies first half. They were by far the, the best first half team, uh, first half ATS bet in the NBA, especially at home. I think at home it was somewhere in the 70 percent range. But th- there would be nights where, uh, you know, you posted like, hey, the situation has presented itself again with the Grizzlies first half. They're an underdog and blah, 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 blah. First half point margin versus the opponent. It all lines up. Then, of course, it loses. And you have uh, a dozen people on Twitter tell you off for it. <laughs> yeah. And then it comes up again two days later and I'll play it and it hits and then it hits the next time. Then maybe it doesn't the next time after that. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's a long term game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. As people like to say. So, yeah, people have to keep an open mind to that. So uh, if someone says they're hitting at 100 percent in sports betting, they are complete and utter lying unless a liar unless they made just one bet. Uh, in their entire life, but uh, yeah, people, you, they have such a, a short memory with this stuff, and that's something that people have to get over. When you talked about earlier, kind of how it is a little bit different for you in every sport, I think that that the conversation we just had really is kind of the nuts and bolts of how we both handicap, and, and I don't know if there's a ton more to be said for baseball. That being said, I think that the reason that we do that is, you know, especially the first five market is to me. I, I've said this time and time again, so I'm sorry for beating a broken record, but my whole philosophy is eliminate as much variance as possible. I know you are someone mm-hmm. much like me who likes to bet UFC, and, and we've kind of talked philosophies on that kind of off air and everything. 
thing. Um, you know, much like the first five market, pitcher versus pitcher, um, specifically unders because offense is variance. If a pitcher throws a ball um, and nothing happens, you're going to win your bet. And so, you know, in a sport like UFC, if I'm a big over two and a half rounds guy because if two fighters sit in an octagon and the clock goes down, you're going to win your bet. So the yeah. path of least resistance, you know, football as well, I, I kind of try to break that down into more of the prop market so I can just go to, you know, one-on-one. Do you find that, um, you know, you're less likely to incorporate this trends or is it just kind of all go in the big recipe um, for you despite whether it's a team sport, whether it's over under or, or whatever the case may be? No, well, I mean, first of all, like the matchup that's in front of us is something uh, it's, it's always going to be the most important thing, whether it's a baseball game or a UFC fight, but teams and players and fighters, they fall in the patterns that you absolutely must be aware of. So UFC, for example, uh, Usman versus Woodley, they fought a couple months back. And if you looked at each of those guys track records, they went to decision an astronomical amount yes. of time. So for me, that was easy. I think I did the over three and a half rounds yeah, in that it was, one. It and it's a bad number hung on that three and a half. I agree. Yeah. So you, you can look at, at situations like that and, um, you know, if, if people are using silly trends, like, oh, uh, the Blue Jays in non-divisional game, divisional games on Tuesday afternoons when the roof is closed at the Sky Dome or 11-1 in their last 12 games, like, like that is complete bullshit and a total coincidence, right? But, uh, you know, teams and players, there's patterns that these teams get into, and sometimes there's not a whole lot of reasons to explain, for example, why the Seattle Seahawks are incredible in night games, I don't have the number right in front of me, but there's something they're on a run of like 22 and six against the spread in their last 28 night games. Uh, what is the reason for that? I don't know. When those games are in Seattle, they have a pretty good home field advantage, of course. But uh, some, like I said, and I'll repeat it. Uh, some teams play much better in certain situations. We don't always know why, but they have proven to be very profitable. Yeah. And you have to buy it and you have to sell it long-term. And you know, it's so funny. I think that emotion and, and recreational bettors largely bet what they want to see. That's why you'll always see the public coming on the over in football games because they want to see points. And, and in a sport like UFC, styles make fights. You'll hear that's number one thing anyone will ever say when it comes mm -hmm. to UFC betting. And when you look at, you know, my favorite fighters to bet on in UFC are guys like, you know, Sergio Pettis, Frankie Edgar, uh, Tyron Woodley, uh, Wonder Boy that you just talked about, Usman. These are the most, some of the most boring fighters in the UFC, but they mm -hmm. know, do Elias Theodoro, these over machines yeah. that just point fight. And, you know, stylistically, it is such an obvious play towards the over because you know how they're going to fight regardless, you know, win or lose. And yeah, you know, uh, one that comes to mind that just happened, the Anderson Silva, the over two and a half um, rounds prop was something I was so big on. And just to, you know, illustrate that no matter yeah. the, how good the handicap can be, fluke things like the Castillo thing we talked about, or, you know, a, a fluke leg injury in the laying in the middle of the cage and a, a a very boring fight that was going to cruise to decision. Um, it can happen. So no matter how good the handicap in any single sport, those type of things are going to happen just to illustrate the point even further. Oh yeah. If you're betting daily, uh, at a volume of a couple different bets, be assured you will get burned. Absolutely. But keep in mind that luck goes both ways. You know, you will get burned and you will get an equal, maybe not an equal share, but you will win some backdoor covers and you will win situations where Anderson Silva has a significant uh, leg injury. Maybe you're on the other guy in that situation, but uh, luck does tend to go both ways. So don't be too hard on yourself after a, after a bad beat.
Yeah, it, it all evens out in the end. And maybe it's not exactly even, but you'll get yours too, regardless of the side that you are on. Anything different when it comes to uh, large teams versus, let's say, you know, UFC that's, you know, single or, you know, pitcher versus pitcher um, in terms of kind of college football, NFL, anything that's kind of whatever, uh, NBA specifically, anything that is more team spectrum. I find that I have, you know, much, not much more, but um, I have a style of handicapping that we've talked about that I know you share that is very much geared towards the lowest common denominator, the path of least resistance, as simple as I can possibly make it, which always inevitably will come down to one person versus one person. So team stuff can be a little bit different. Do you try to kind of shrink that down into specific niche areas as well? Yeah, well, when you're going with team stuff, especially football, when you have 11 guys on the field, on, on both sides of the field, you really do have to pay attention to stuff like injuries, especially cluster injuries. Uh, a lot of people in their handicapping football games, they look at the skill positions, the fantasy guys, because that's what's sexy. They don't pay a whole lot of attention to whether or not the offensive line might be a little beat up, maybe the best blocking tight end might be a little bit beat up or not playing at all. Things like that make a big difference because uh, often these football games, when you're covering a spread or going over or under a total, it can come down to a few key plays. So stuff like that make a big difference, and it should be a major uh, part of your handicapping, especially with often to uh, injuries and stuff. You don't have to get into offensive line blocking schemes or anything crazy like that. but Pay a little bit of attention to the, the lesser known guys because they tend to be uh, very big difference makers. Last couple of philosophy things for you. Money line sports versus spread sports. Anything you specifically take into account differently there? Um, well, if, if you're doing trends like with uh, spread sports, for example, like uh, me and you both know the Patriots over the past couple of years, they've been one of the best spread bets in the NFL. They're, they're often profitable year after year but even if they're on a run where say maybe they've covered six straight games so that doesn't automatically mean you're going to bet them in the seventh game it's like okay well what is the spread in that seventh game versus what they were in those six games where they had the covering streak so that's something that i like to consider with uh with spread betting and totals betting as well like sometimes you hear about the team uh they're on an incredible overrun and it's like, okay, does this mean I bet the over tonight? And what I like to look at, and people probably see me tweet this out, is, okay, what was the average combined score of the games during that overrun versus the total that's being set tonight? Um, for money line sports, baseball, and uh, UFC, for me, a lot of it's what I perceive as good value. For example, uh, the Red Sox, uh, they opened at, my, I think, minus 135 versus the Blue Jays. I saw that last night, and I was half asleep on the couch, so I didn't get in on that. And I just said, that is incredible value. Uh, maybe the Blue Jays are getting a little bit overvalued because Marcus Stroman's pitching, but they're only 2-8, and eight, and Stroman starts this year. Plus, the Blue Jays cannot score. The Red Sox have scored more than double the runs that the Blue Jays have in May. So that's something that I would just perceive as value. I woke up in the morning, and I think I got it at minus 144, which still isn't bad right now. It's up to minus 160. So predicting line movement and stuff like that isn't always easy, but you know, sometimes you just got to jump on it if you think you have an edge. 
when you talked about that market, this is a fascinating conversation for me, or for me because, as you know, um, you know, shout out to John Campbell for really kind of putting my first work out there, um, and I owe him a lot for it. But it was basically when I was talking about how the spread is dead in the NFL. The spread doesn't matter. It's, if you look mm-hmm. back over the last two years, it's basically one to two times per week the spread will come in. So 1.8 times, 18% is what it came out to be last year, 1.8 times per week. When we look at these long-term kind of, let's call them runs, there's a couple that come to mind that I know that you were on um, that are, you know, when do you make the difference between blindly playing something? Let's talk about, you know, the Blackhawks um, overrun that happened this year. The Rockies are on a similar one. Um, the Patriots that were just breaking every gambling rule and eviscerating point spreads. You know, when the market just is obviously not over, not correcting and the market has not caught up to something, you know, are you, when are you able to make that distinction that I don't care what the number is, DeGrom first five under last year uh, towards the end kind of comes to mind when the market finally caught up, hung some threes and it just did not matter. Um, but yeah. Are you able to, you know, when can you make that distinction when it comes to the Blackhawks or, or any of these to just say, take numbers out of it, I'm playing it until it's not profitable? Well, I, I think the closest I would come to uh, betting a trend blindly would be that Blackhawks first period over one. Reason being, like, there's less scoring in hockey, right? So uh, that was just a moneymaker. And I re- remember the Lightning were on a, a similar streak uh, to start the season. So but for me, it's rare that I will bet a trend blindly. I'm always going to want to find some stats to back it up. and. Sometimes like the stats might not be as convincing as you would want them to be, but if they're still pointing towards a trend continuing, then I'm going to play it, man. But if, if I come across a game, say, for example, uh, the one that I was on the entire second half of the NBA season and into the playoffs was the OKC Thunder in the first half. They were absolutely atrocious. Um, I think they were only covering at 20% or something like that for a while. Reason being they were the favorite uh, in most of the first halves they played. But then when they get to the playoffs and you start to see them at plus money or plus points in the first half, then they start to cover a few. So you didn't really have the ammo to pull the trigger on that trend in that situation. So like I said, I I typically do need the stats to back it up, but there are some that are so money and there's not even always a good reason for it. But you know, if they're printing money, you can't really argue with that. Yeah, man. Um, kind of last thing I want to get you out of your ground, just because I think that this is, you have such a unique perspective as, as somebody who works in a space that is, you know, all about sports handicapping, you know, people would look out there and say, you know, you have made it the, to the dream job, uh, in many people's eyes. And I think it's a, an interesting conversation to talk about where we're heading when it comes to legalization, when it comes to the potential for, um, tout handicappers, when it comes to, um, selling picks, it comes to all this stuff, because I have always maintained, um, the reason that, I don't think it's necessarily fair to look at somebody who sells picks as a bad person. And the reason I say that is number one, if you're good at something, never do it for free. And number two, Mm -hmm. I have never really seen the difference between a, you know, a up and coming musician putting their music on SoundCloud yet eventually uh, charging to have a concert. And I really don't see the, the pitfall of somebody just because they don't have the platform that you do. That is odd shark making that platform for the, 
themselves. Now, again, I, I completely understand understand the bad people and the scams that are in this industry mm-hmm. and associated with that. That's kind of a, a different conversation. But assuming it is on the you know the up and up, I think that it can be kind of a win win. Do you see a big difference? And, and I think the other thing is that people really only get upset when they're footing the bill. Um, and I don't mean this negatively towards towards you and Altrek in any situation. But the fact is, you get paid and compensated for your time sure. for your analysis by somebody um, to put out there, which is the only difference between that and a tout handicapper is the you know consumer is footing the bill rather than you receiving a paycheck. Do you kind of agree with that? Do you as a whole with everything that I think is kind of coming down the line with legalization with you know these new companies, these new channels? Las Vegas is getting um, a new one at Caesars. There's there's going to be five more that pop up all across these um, states with new legalized betting. Do you kind of see that as a whole? You know, kind of your thought process on that. Um, I have no issue with it whatsoever. I think I think it's a great thing because uh, there's some people who simply do not want to put the work in. They just want to know who should I bet on this Sunday in the football game? Who should I bet on the Monday night game? Who should I bet on the Sunday night baseball game? And if there's guys out there who are digging into this data and have a proven track record of success, um, absolutely, they should be able to make a living at that and uh, build a uh, a bit of a service for the people. It's uh, similar to a, a stockbroker, I guess, in, in some ways. So um, that's kind of one of the areas where uh, people have to let me off the hook, and I conveniently use it uh, use it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, people give you shit about it on Twitter and my kind of rebuttal. Well, I, I don't really get back to people, the trolls on Twitter anymore, but it's kind of like, well, it's free. So, <laughs> right. And that's, that's the other thing I've never understood is a free person. Um, owes nobody, nothing, you know, it's, it's, they don't, there's not an expectation. It's kind of sharing. And it's, I've never understood why almost, uh, free content providers or people that are, you know, paid for by companies to put out content when they give out something that somebody or losses or is cold or whatever. Uh, there's no expectation personally for you to make everyone that comes across your work rich or make them money. You know, in my opinion, I think that the, the standard is a little bit flip in that regard sure yeah i mean sometimes i'll i'll share like an interesting trend and it might not be something that i'm necessarily betting on but hey here's this cool number of something that's been going on and of course that night uh, it won't come through and and people come after you like like a pack of wolves (laughs) essentially so just kind of like well i was just sharing a number guys like (laughs) relax here but um yeah i I mean uh, it is 100% my goal to win because every single bet that I'm putting out on Twitter or doing on the show is I'm actually putting my own money on. Right. So, you know, it, and let's be honest, it makes you feel really good when you're winning too. So, uh, yeah, it, it is my number one goal to to win and provide people with, uh, with information so that they can win too. Last question for you, man. I'm going to get you out of here, I promise. Uh, legalization. Um, I know up in Canada, things have been you know, that way for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Within the United States market, that obviously has you know, such an impact on, on Odd Shark as a whole, uh, just because yes. it is not obviously just a, a Canadian company, just because it's based there, it is you know, global. Um, what do you kind of see that in terms of growth for the company? Do you look at legalization as a great thing um, you know, for yourself, for Odd Shark, uh, for the industry as a whole, and just kind of what you think that this expansion all these new companies, all these new people, everything kind of uh, will do for um, Odd Shark and, and then just in general as the future of the space. Man, I, I think it's great for Odd Shark and I think it's great for sports bettors. I think it's great for sports fans. And one of the major reasons is it's going to create much better sports content on game day for people. So one of the big issues I have 
is, you know, you tune into the NBA countdown show and they're doing a 25 minute piece on how Steph and Seth Curry are brothers and how their dad played in the NBA and they get the mother in there and the wife in there. I'm like, who are you creating this content for? This is something my mom would enjoy. I want you to come on and tell me who to bet on, right? Who take a look at some player props and stuff like that. And you're starting to see that ESPN has their own betting show. Bleacher report has something right now. Uh, Fox sports has the locked it in show. So I think that's what people want. So we're going to get a, a much, much, much better content out of it. And even a couple of years back, like you would watch the uh, NFL Sunday countdown uh, before the, the NFL games, they came out with a fantasy focus show with Matthew Barry. I would watch that any single time over the, the human interest stuff because it's stuff that I'm involved in that day, setting a fantasy lineup, doing DFS and stuff like that, and getting little nuggets of information to help me win that day. So I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's it's going to create uh, much better content and a much better viewing experience for betters and sports fans. Could not agree more, my friend. I cannot thank you enough taking the time. I know that you have an incredibly busy schedule with all that you are doing. Again, Monday through Friday, 12 Eastern, guys and bets. Follow him on Twitter, at JTFOZ, who you will not find better info and trends out there for absolutely free. I cannot say that enough. And again, one of the best people in the industry, which I think goes a lot further than saying one of the best handicappers, but I agree with both of those sentiments, man. Um, anything else I did not plug, I want to give you the floor for anything um, that you have going on out there, just because, I, again, I believe in what you're doing so much, man. So the floor is yours to plug anything where can people find you otherwise man i think you covered i have an instagram account with uh about 400 followers and i post on that maybe once every three weeks uh, <laughs> <laughs> find me at the uh paper chaser jo if you really want to find me uh there but no you, you covered it man uh guys and bets every day at 12 eastern we're giving away our three best bets of the day myself and uh co-host chris uh twitter i'm sharing all my nuggets throughout the day and um yeah man that's about it oddshark.com for all of your odds and sports betting news and information awesome man well we will talk soon good luck with everything you have going on in baseball today thank you buddy i hope to see you down in vegas this summer can't thank Joe enough. And again, as always, guys, we are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag, the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Promo code SGP50 will get you a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000 today. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you by Amazon. You're already shopping there. Get paid to do the same. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon. Bookmark that link. Get yourself a nice Vegas, inside Vegas tea, as well as many other things out there. College experience, SGP Shield, everything and everything is there. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the interview. One of my favorites out there and one of my favorite people. So again, Joe Osborne of Odd Shark. 